You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fresh week for you here on the Locked On Syracuse Podcast, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get 20% off your next order. All right, Tim. Football is finally, finally in the rearview mirror. We don't have to, I don't know, have our, our Syracuse brains eaten by that zombie for the rest of this season. So we can fully focus on basketball now, even though we, we are going to hit on a couple football things today on the back end of the show, and then we'll also get into more of a, a well-rounded recap of this season in its entirety, but basketball's got a quick turnaround, so we've got to get to all of that stuff. First, you can check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, and if you're not subscribed to the show, what are you doing? Go out there, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Locked on Syracuse will be in your podcast feed every single morning for you, Monday through Friday, the only place to get daily Syracuse podcasts. All right, Tim. So a victory over Ryder. This one was pretty smooth sailing start to finish here. You got some fantastic performances, the guards especially. Um, Joe Girard finally came out of his shell, and I think that's where we start this now because everyone was all up in arms about, are we panicking on Joe Girard? Are we not panicking on Joe Girard? You were a little on the fence. Mm -hmm. I was kind of, all right, let's let this play out a little bit. Let's let him get into a little groove. I think the layoff hurt him. And then he goes out, he delivers a 21-point performance, and he knocks down six threes on 50%. Yeah, everyone shot the three remarkable. The way they started this game was... 50% in the game, 15 (laughs) for 30 yeah, and they didn't Including get the 12 record. in the first I, half. Yeah, I don't understand it. it. Can they ever get to 16? I think this is several times now where they've been way on pace and the tweets have gone out and it's been, okay, it's it's going to break the record. Because honestly, when they were at 10 in the first half and the tweets started surfacing again of 15 is the record in the Dome, 15 is SU's all-time record, I was like, man, you think we would have gotten to 16 at some point by now, and they still didn't do it in this game. Quincy hit you know one what, to get though, to 15. Can I say but... this? They're going to yeah. do it this year. They are going to oh, do they it this should. year. They've got yeah. the, the good shooting from three, at least the guys that can do it, and they play with the pace to do it. I mean, have you seen these Ken Palm numbers for them offensively? <laughs> they are 17th in the country in pace. That, you like that, to like, see that, yeah. Talk about 2020 in terms of backward thinking there. But 17th in the country, 14.2 seconds per possession there. Yeah, and they were pretty quick last year. They were 21st, I think. or No, their, their, tempo, their efficiency on offense was 21st. I'd have to go back and look at what their tempo their was. Their pace last year was 16.8, 104th in the country. Okay, all right. So, yeah, I mean, that's an uptick for sure. And, hey, it's, it's three games. It's Ryder, it's Niagara, it's Bryant. And most notably, it's Ryder and Niagara. I think... I'm at the point where a lot of what you'll hear from me in this podcast today is like, let's pump the brakes a little bit because although I like what I'm seeing from this team, it's still early. But on the note of Joe Girard, it's not a perfect game what he did. Like I put out some Twitter grades at our Twitter page after five the game. turnovers in the game. Yeah, a little, little concerning there, and it is concerning, right? Because he still hasn't actually attack the basket like I was calling for him to do I still have my concerns I mean I know I keep bringing this up but the guy hasn't made a layup all year he has not made a shot inside 15 18 feet all year he made one two-point shot all year and it was 
about a mid-range left elbow jump shot around a screen that came against Niagara. So, yes, the shot comes back, and that's what he is. He's a shooter. I, I totally get that it's not, like, the end of the world if he's not making twos, and, you know, maybe I'm overreacting to that, but my notion, and I think what I'm really looking for him to do is be aggressive and show that he has improved that part of his game because we know he's a shooter. I knew that his shot was going to come back at some point. Here it comes back. You get six threes from him. He looks good. I want to see him get better at passing the ball, limiting turnovers, and then also getting to the rim and getting to the foul line. He's missed a couple free throws this year, but we know he's a good free throw shooter overall, and that's just kind of an anomaly. So I still want to see him kind of prove that it's not just okay I'm gonna I'm gonna be the three-point shooter for this team because I thought he was gonna lead this team in scoring and now I'm a little hesitant to say like if I had to bet that again I don't know if I'd say that right now because I haven't seen a ton from him inside the arc so here let's do that real quick all right right now if you had to and again it's kind of foolish to do this but we can do it real quickly but who would, among Alan Griffin, Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, who is going to end the year with the most points per game? Man, it's tough, right? <laughs> like I say... It's tough because we've seen the flashes out of Griffin. He had another great game in this one, 23 points. Girard, we know, can do it. Like, on any given night, if you... Again, we always talk about this. If you have to pick one guy to get 30 points for you every single night, if you're playing that little lottery, you're picking Girard every single night. I don't know, it might then, be Griffin now. I might be at that point because Griffin, he could, yeah, yeah. He, he's I mean, the way treading he came that out, way for sure, right? So I don't know if I would say Griffin to lead the team in scoring. I think those three are going to be neck and neck throughout the year, and some people would. It could throw be like in, a seventeen, sixteen, sixteen type. Yeah, of deal. I really could see that, and that's great. And that's the thing. I is, love that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Especially like, if you're getting double digits out of Quincy on a, a fair number of nights too. I feel like there's there's this thing going around on Twitter, and I love all the Syracuse fans that are tweeting at us, and it's great to, you know, once the games are going and the, you're a part of that community, it's really fun, but it feels like you're either a Richmond guy or you're a Gerard guy on Twitter if you're a Syracuse fan. It, it feels it, very like the, the Rex crowd versus the DeVito crowd. Yeah. It feels like we're doing that kind of all over again, except... These are two good options that you have right now. <laughs> right. It's, it's a good problem to have this time around. All I'm saying is you don't have to be one or the other. I, I mean, if Syracuse is going to be good this year, they need both of them. And I want both of them to be good. So it's kind of funny how everyone's like, oh, well, Gerard had five turnovers. Like, let's not crown him yet. Or I still want to start Richmond. It's You have to have one take on those two. Honestly... I don't really care who starts. Whoever is the best player come ACC time will start, and I, I think it still is Gerard right now, and that's the guy that I'd continue to ride with in that position. But the bottom line is they've got seven guys that I'm excited about this year, and there's seven when I include Barama. If he does come back in a decent timetable here, I think they'll have him for some portion of ACC play. It would be my guess and my hope. So let's include him, and then we'll include Buddy when you tack on those two guys to the five that have been starting the past couple games, that's a solid seven. Like, as good of a seven as they've had in recent memory here in Cuse in the yeah, past five, no six doubt. years. You, you haven't felt this confident about the rotation in quite some time now. And it's just, and, and again, it's early. We'll, we'll kind of dive into all of that. But getting back to Gerard here, you mentioned the stuff about how he has not 
really, he hasn't made a layup this year. He, he has not been attacking the basket. 12 of his 13 shots in this game came from three. And it gives me shades of what we saw, what is this now, two years ago? When Frank Howard was coming back from injury. Remember, he was coming back from that injury. And he did not get to the basket at all. He was kind of doing what we were seeing Gerard do. It's a good he's point. hanging out. He's shooting threes. And I remember that season. I think it took Frank Howard seven games to get to the free throw line. Something crazy like that. I'd have to go double check those numbers. But he wasn't attacking. But you had other guys that could carry the load. Like, like Alan Griffin in this game. He Sure, he, he makes four of his six threes. But he also made four of his five from inside the arc, too. So he's given you a lot. Yeah. So And I think we'll see that out of Buddy, too, because one of the things that we saw out of Buddy in that first game is he's, and we've seen it in the past, too, with him, but he's pretty good inside the arc as a spot-up shooter from 18 to, to 20 feet. So part of the reason why I really like Syracuse this year relative to their expectations was I thought Joe Girard was a prime candidate for a sophomore leap, and that's something you see across the country. I thought Quincy Garrier was also a sophomore leap candidate. That's something I always circle and I look at when I'm trying to project teams. And if he was going to make the sophomore leap, I would have thought it, we would have seen it in the first couple games, and he would have rounded out his game more. Like what he was talking about with Matthew Gutierrez of The Athletic on why and what he needs to work on. All those things of not shooting the early threes as much, limiting turnovers, and getting to the basket more, we've kind of just seen the same Joe Girard as last year. So that, to me, is a little bit disappointing. Like I don't think he's made too many strides in decision-making, in getting to the basket, scoring around the rim. And that's kind of my overall concern with this team right now, is I feel like they lack capable rim finishers. And we touched on that a little bit on one of our last podcasts, but... I don't know, like this team loves the three ball and they're really good at it. And when it's working, it's going to be really effective and they're going to beat some good teams just by shooting the lights out this year. And that's all good and fun. And that's kind of different than recent Syracuse teams a little bit because they have so many different options at three. But I worry that if the three's not going down, you know, I don't know if they're going to be capable of scoring around the rim against some of these top teams in the ACC. All right, listen up. Hoops are here. I love it. You love it. And there's no better way to enjoy basketball season than with a mountain cold Coors Light in hand. It's the perfect time to unwind from a stressful time. And guess what? It doesn't get any easier with the holidays right around the corner. And also, football's winding down now. We The clock is ticking in that department. So you better get your hands on some Coors Light. Enjoy the remainder of football season and enjoy the beginning of basketball season because we are on sports overload right now. And you need Coors Light to help you get through all of the fun sports watching. It's the official beer of watching any sport or any team just to drink beer. So with the holidays around the corner, it can be stressful for you, but fear not. Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks. You heard that right. Ditch the grocery store or the corner store trips and let Coors Light do the delivery for you. That's right. It's not just your local restaurants that deliver to you these days or the Amazon carriers anymore. Nope. Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks and boom, you're ready to chill. Go to get.coorslight.com and you can have a 6-pack, 12-pack, or even a 24-pack of Mountain Cold Coors Lights at your doorstep in under an hour. Go to get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Golden, Colorado. So the record is 3-0. and 
it, it is what it is, all right? Maybe you had a you had a squeaker against Bryant, but very, very dominant. You're shooting well against Ryder and Nyack, and you even shot the ball well against Bryant, too. But what do you make of the start right now? Because, again, you're playing... A, no, none of these teams in Ken Palm are rated better than 258. And that is going to be severely slashed when you take on Rutgers tomorrow at the rack on the road. Ken Palm projecting a three-point loss for the Orange in this one. So when you look at this team through three games, what are you seeing? What do you like? What needs to be improved? I like what I'm seeing, but it's at the point where we can't really glean too much. That's kind of the crux of... Like, I still think they're probably going to lose to Rutgers, and some people are probably very surprised by that because... I am pretty high on this team, but let's not forget Ryder and Niagara, not good basketball teams. And also they were not practicing. The COVID-19 stuff really influenced their program, just as it influenced Syracuse in the first game against Bryant. So if we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt for the Bryant game, let's factor that into evaluating Niagara and Ryder. And what has every single Syracuse team ever basically had in common and especially in the past five, six years, all these teams have had one thing in common. They've all looked great against the lousy mid-majors to start the year. Like last year, after they beat Bucknell, they ran them out of the gym 97-46 to right before they went to Barclays. I thought they were going to be really good, and you can fall into that trap. It's so easy because for the past five, six years, they've been on the bubble, and for the past five, six years, they have done exactly what they've done in these first three or four games depending on how the schedule is laid out. When they played those lousy mid-majors, they looked really good on offense. You just don't know what the defense is right now. I think they're going to be able to score the ball, but Rutgers is the true litmus test on defense. And Rutgers brings together a solid defense, especially on the interior. And I think right now, the, the big reason why we cannot determine what Syracuse is is because what's part of the goal of these non-con games is, well, you want to develop guys, you want to give them a little run, you want to get the the wind under them a little bit, but you also want to come out healthy. And Syracuse doesn't have a a clean board in in that regard right now. They're going to be missing Buddy. They're going to be missing Barama for this Rutgers game. So you're, you're losing two guys and two guys that are going to be starters for you. So that's why it's very tough to pinpoint it. And no matter what happens with the Rutgers, well, I won't say no matter what happens, But I'll say that if they lose this game, I'm not saying, oh, well, we should have seen this coming. Well, I I might say that, but it's in more regard to the health than the overall talent of the team. Yeah, I'll never forget last year. I was talking with our good buddy Gil Gross, who works over at Orange Fizz a little bit and also is all over the tennis stuff on YouTube. If if you like tennis, Monday match analysis, fantastic yes. show. Any tennis fans <laughs> out there, go check out Gil Gross's tennis right. podcast. So great guy. I think he listens to this podcast. Anyway, we were at the Barclays Center last year, and they're getting ready to tip against Oklahoma State. And I'll never forget this conversation we had. We were in a in the Barclays Center bathroom, getting ready to return to our seats for the game for the start of the game, and. We looked at each other and we were just like, I feel like this team's really good, the Syracuse team. And this is fresh off of Joe Girard getting the start against Seattle, him exploding, going for like 24 in his first start, whatever it was. Bucknell, like I said, 97 uh, to 46. They just looked as good as you could possibly look on offense. Very similar to Ryder where they made everything from three. And it's like, holy cow, if they're doing this, if they're hitting these shots, they can beat anyone. 
And then they just laid a complete egg against Oklahoma State and Penn State, two teams that honestly aren't as good as Rutgers is this year. And Rutgers is on the road, which isn't as big of a deal this year. But still, I wouldn't just count this Rutgers game as a win. And also, if they lose by 10, if they lose by 12, I wouldn't overreact. That's where I'm at with this team. This is a true test. And it's a true test with them down two of their best players, as you said, Ty. People are kind of forgetting about this. Bayheim and Sidibe, two starters, are not going to be in this game. So let's not go in assuming that they're just going to roll over Rutgers after beating Ryder and Niagara handedly, because we can't really glean that much from those games. And Rutgers, uh, the higher-rated team in Ken Palm for this game, too. They're 32, Syracuse at 40. Orange have been as low as 45 this year, but they have bumped up a couple of spots thanks to that win over Ryder. Now, in terms of the things that do concern me a little bit, I'm going to be really worried when you get into ACC play and there's one of those teams that can really shoot the ball from three. And I think the defense is going to be a problem once again. Again, it looks a little slow at the top. Now, here's the one little wrinkle, is that last year, there wasn't a great defensive sub for Joe Girard or Buddy Beheim. This year, I think there is. Richmond looks good. (laughs) Yeah, Kadari Richmond looks really good in the defense, and I think that's going to earn him some more minutes than we thought this year. So that's what I'm looking forward to, because now Syracuse, okay, you've got one more game against a a non-power conference team. That's Buffalo coming up in about two weeks. So when I I take that into account, you're going to be playing big boy teams now pretty much the rest of the way. And I'm going to be interested to see how Kadari Richmond earns his minutes. Because obviously he's essentially being thrown in because there's no other choice at this point. But I'm going to be interested to see if he can earn his minutes defensively. Because right now, I would say at the top of the zone, he is the best option that this team's throwing out there right now. No doubt. I mean, he gets his hands on a lot of passes, deflections, steals. Three steals again in this game. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of length to him. And we talked about that before the season. He's been rebounding great as well, of rebounding better than any of the He's other guards. He's giving so you the uh, the stat lines. Like if Marek Dolajai was supposed to play point guard for this team, right. that's what he's giving you. He is giving you these monster. I mean, it, it doesn't sound gaudy. Seven seven six to go along with three steals and a block in this past game doesn't sound gaudy. Not not really, but. It's just the balance in the stat sheet that you see. He's he's changing the game in all these different ways. Yeah. By the way, the Marek Magic Johnson thing is getting a little tired, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> like it's it's stop? excessive. I I, I love. I'm not gonna lie. I love riding that little train though. Like sure. I, I, I'm gonna be the conductor of, of Magic Marek, but no, I I, I think. I don't know exactly what to glean from because we saw him put up a, a phenomenal line against Bryant, and then the last two games he hasn't been great. But I also think he has this added pressure. I think he is changing his game a little bit because of the way that he knows he has to play now because he cannot foul out. He has three fouls in this game. I don't believe he had a foul in the last game against Niagara, if I'm remembering correctly, or maybe he had one yeah. if I'm remembering correctly, but I think he's changing his game and we're seeing it impact him a little bit. When he can play a little more loosely, that's when I think he is given the the full reign of, okay, that's that's when you're going to get the full Marek experience. That's another good point is against Rutgers, they could get in foul trouble. 
they just haven't really had a lot of good bigs yeah we'll talk about this on the preview show tomorrow but yeah a lot of good bigs for that team they're not gonna have any foul trouble against Niagara and Ryder those are just dream matchups for a team that has a 180 I know he's what's he listed at now 201 pounds Dolzhai but come on I mean he he looks like you or me out there sometimes in in terms of how skinny (laughs) he is anyway protein shake load (laughs) him up Bryson (laughs) the good news is before the season I was high on this team because I loved what I was hearing about Kadari Richmond and Alan Griffin it seemed like they were passing every single test put in front of them in the training camp preseason lead up they have looked as advertised, which is saying a lot because people that were really I was going to ask you, did yeah. have they done anything this year? Again, both you and I, I think we're a little higher than the average media person heading into this year. Have they done anything to bump themselves down a peg or two? Who, Richmond and Griffin specifically? No, I'm talking about the team as a whole. Okay. No, I, I think the team is about what I expected. And... You know, after game one, I was a little bit lower, but now I, we've gotten a couple more games under our belt. Again, you can't really glean too much from the first three games when it's Ryder, Dagger, and Bryant. I'm really excited to watch them against Rutgers because a part of me just, we don't really know what we're going to get against Rutgers. The zone could look terrible. It could just give up tons of jump shots, and a team like Ryder and Niagara is not going to really allow us to see that against Syracuse. Bryant showed it off a little bit, though, and I do think the zone has looked tighter. I think Richmond at the top has been a huge benefit in the past couple games, so we'll see. I I love what I'm seeing from Griffin and Richmond in particular, though. They have lived up to the hype offensively. They're exactly what I thought, and maybe even a little bit more at this point in the season, and they've and we've gotten to see a little bit more of what we have depth-wise this season because of nobody and no Barama. We saw some Anselm in this game. Jim Beheim even said after the game that he looked a lot better than he has in practice, and he kind of impressed him. And Woody Newton, we how about that big to big? Did, did yeah. You, what, what did you think of that big? Because we always talk about, and again, <laughs> we we have our group chat with, with Matthew Gutierrez. We're talking about the game as it's going on, and I just said I don't care who they're playing. I just saw John Bolajac do a no-look bounce pass to Frank Anselm, who seamlessly, in one motion, caught the ball, went up strong, and dunked it. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you're playing... I don't care if you're playing Brian. I don't care if you're playing Ryder. I don't care if you're playing Sisters of the Poor. Or if you're playing UNC. I don't care. That was awesome. And that was promising. Yeah. We haven't seen that in like five, six years, literally, against anyone that they played. Maybe Chukwu and... I don't even know. Like, Chukwu was decent for a little bit, and he was probably underappreciated, but the big man spot has been a a trouble spot, as we all know. Another thing to bring up, I mean, this team, essentially, where they're at right now is, to answer your question, is probably what I expected. We should give some credit to Woody Newton, though. I still was kind of like, yeah, let's not overreact. It's Niagara. I'm not going to overreact. I still don't really know where he fits into the puzzle the rest of the season, but he plays 22 minutes in this game. And I just got to say, his three-point shot, they're open, they're off the catch. I mean, all that stuff makes it easier. He was three for four in this game from three. He made like three in a row. Eight rebounds too. Yeah, like I did not expect him to be this good. And I tweeted out that 
I would never have guessed on Thursday afternoon that I'd be watching Syracuse Saturday night and John Bolajak and Woody Newton would be the first two players off the bench. Now, it was a different, you know, they already had the game in hand. You can point out various variables as to why that was the case. And obviously the the most important one is that nobody and no Barama changes things. But heck, I didn't think those guys would play at all this season. Like maybe against Ryder and Niagara. I didn't think they'd have any minutes against ACC competition now, who knows? I still think John Bullock probably not, but Woody Noon, he's jumped Robert Braswell for me, for sure, and I no think doubt. he's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's the thing is, Woody Newton is what Robert Braswell, Syracuse fans want Robert Braswell to be, right? It's that lanky <laughs> yes. wing guy to go out there and hit threes. The difference it. is, Newton was 3 of 4 in this game, Braswell's 0 of 3. You know, I look at the Syracuse Ken Palm numbers, and they break down the roster. They do a great job of this, based on possessions used. Major contributors, 24 to 28 possession, possessions used. Significant tr- contributors, 20 to 24. Role players, 16 to 20. Limited roles, 12 to 16. And then bench warmers, less than 10% of the team's minutes. Guess which, where do you think, which ledger does Robert Braswell fall under? Which which one do you think he falls under? Um, I mean, he's probably like sneaky been a decent contributor in terms of possessions played, but. So you're going to say significant limited, contributor. Maybe? He is a major contributor, 24 <laughs> to 28% of possessions used the top bar oh. that you can get. He's at, uh, he, so him and buddy Bayheim own that distinction right now. Yeah, he's I mean, chucking when he gets he's, in the game. When he gets that ball, he's firing at the hip. <laughs> and every time. So what I've taken That's away hilarious. from Woody Newton here is this. Is that he has firmly cemented himself in my eyes so far. And again, foul trouble and all that can can play a different factor and change how this shakes out. But when everyone's healthy, Woody Newton is number eight in the rotation. Yeah. The only problem is, what does number eight mean in this rotation? Does it mean, okay, maybe you get five to seven minutes a night? Or does it mean you're going to be logging a zero for the majority of games? It, it, that, But I think he has done enough to say he's number eight in the rotation. He's hitting threes. He's rebounding the basketball. For the most part, he's making some some pretty smart plays out there. He's doing what is asked of him, essentially. And I think he has earned the spot to be number eight on this roster. What that means, though, we don't know. Yeah, one way to look at what Bayheim's going to have to decide when Sidibe comes back and everyone else is hopefully healthy, operating under that assumption, he's basically going to have to decide, all right, because we know he doesn't usually play nine, and, and maybe some would argue this is a year he should, and, and perhaps Newton will get some minutes based on foul trouble, like you're saying in some games. But that eight spot is probably going to come down to, all right, do I play one of those young centers or do I just leave it for Woody Newton and then I have Dolzhai play the center, backup center spot and just stagger those minutes so that one of the Sidibe Dolzhai seniors is playing center the entire game or is playing the anchor spot of the 2-3 zone. Right. So that'll be interesting to, to track and watch with, with Woody Newton for the rest of the season. All right. Any last basketball thoughts and then we can do some quick hitters on football? No, I, I, I'm excited for Rutgers. I, I don't know. I like... I've never been so eager to just see what this team looks like. And again, if they lose, they lose. Don't overreact because we don't have two of our five starters. Hey, Syracuse fans, are you looking for a candy bar that is somehow healthy for you? Because I don't know why you wouldn't be. And if maybe that hasn't entered your mind yet, hopefully you would never turn down that offer. That is Built Bar. Built Bar is up to 18 amazing flavors now. They've got six new ones, caramel brownie, 
cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Some good flavors to choose from there. You can make your own customizable box at BuiltBar.com. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and most importantly, they are great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Nothing like having a good Built Bar to help you get through the day. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. You'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use our promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. So just want to round out some things with the football team because another one of those, uh, we strung them along for a little bit and then ultimately we found a new way to lose this week. Um, but that, that's, that is what Syracuse football is at this point. So when I look at this football team and the totality of that Notre Dame game, listen, if, if you want to complain about the penalties and, and the referees, go ahead, all right? The, the penalties, I thought, were brutal. I'm not one to complain about refs. Tim, you know me. I very yeah. rarely will complain about the officiating. But it was flat-out awful in this game. It was flat-out awful in the sense of the penalties and stuff, what was given to Notre Dame and what was not given to Syracuse. I think of that roughing the passer on Ian Book um, and then some of the non-calls holding-wise against Notre Dame. It, it just... Listen, I, no one expected Syracuse to win, but it certainly doesn't help when you've got the guys in stripes helping out the other team. However, I, I did find it interesting, though, that everyone thought that that fumble that Rex had was like his knee was down. To me, yeah. pretty clearly, that ball was very well coming out. And, and I think the referees got that one right. And, and quite frankly, I didn't even think it was close. I was appalled to see all the Syracuse fans that were supporting that. So I was a little taken aback by that. But hey, the defense once again showed why it's as good as it is. I was texting with Joe Leon, who we did the show with from Locked On Irish, and he was very impressed with the defense. Um, he also loved what he saw out of Sean Tucker. Sean oh, Tucker, yeah. once again, <laughs> I mean, that, that run he had was one of the most impressive runs I've seen out of him this season, in a season where he's had a lot of them. Yeah, he's a big game hunter. He he played great against Clemson. Now, granted, he only played the first half against Clemson. But remember, he was knocking off five, six-yard runs a pop against Clemson. And then he does it again against Notre Dame. Like, this defense is going to be good. We've got a great running back for the future. As far as one in ten seasons go, which I don't know if there's ever been any others because you usually play 12 games, and I get it, it's it's really bleak. Like it's tough to convince your casual friend who doesn't follow Syracuse that the program isn't in a downward tailspin right now. And we've been on here talking about how we're really sort of like up in arms about a couple different aspects of what the program stands for right now and where they're at. And you know, it, it is what it is. It was a one in 10 season. It wasn't good, but as far as they go, there are still a good amount of positives to look forward to. And I think we'll have a lot of time here going forward maybe on Thursday we'll sort of rehash this some more but Sean Tucker looks great Sean Tucker is going to be a guy that I'm going to love to root for and look at his tweets on Monday after the game for the next <laughs> four you, or five did years did he post one I haven't I seen don't know it. stall I haven't looked I'll, I'll, recently I'll look for it right now okay yeah so I mean he looks great Cooper Lutz looked pretty good like they're getting somehow a decent amount of production out of the run game despite it's sort of like indescribable despite how bad this offensive line is. And when you look forward to next year, Chris Blake is going to play for Syracuse, the Florida transfer. Like 
There Hopefully. are some positive. Yeah, I mean, you think the I, NCAA is going to axe him again? They could. <laughs> you never know. I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't take anything for for granted here, but that seems like a pretty fair bet at this point. And who will be under center? Who knows? If Devito's back, I I saw some people talk about Mackenzie Milton this week because he hit the transfer. Portal. Can I can I shoot that down? I don't want. Yeah, that. go for it. I mean, Mackenzie Milton, the dude's been on the the practice squad essentially the scout team the last two years you want to bring that in i mean like, we're, we're he, talking he about rex dev- culpepper so well yeah but he had a devastating injury for to think that he's going to be the same is i think a little short-sighted I, i'd rather take my chances on a guy like garrett schrader or just start the the lampson development process now oh and again you still have tommy devito on the roster too so i, I right We'll break down what the the future direction of this football team is later on in the week. Probably Thursday we'll do that. But I, Mackenzie Milton, I'm I'm sorry, I, that's not something that would interest me. Yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. Although, as we've always talked about, the quarterback room was the biggest disappointment this year, and it was because of injuries, like everything else on the roster. So, you know, it, it's not a total disaster because you do have Devito hopefully coming back, and we'll see on that. But and I like Justin Lampson coming in. However, if you can bring in more talent to the quarterback room, even if it is a guy coming off an injury, even if it just brings competition and just gets those juices flowing, I'm all for it. Because what they had this year, as you tweeted out during the game, the quarterback is just so far behind so far everyone behind. else. And, and you can't and, win games like that. Right, yeah. And we can blame the offensive line all we want, all that stuff. The, at the end of the day, if you truly have a great quarterback, they're going to make some plays happen that will bail out the offensive line. I mean, you see it every Sunday. Just watch Deshaun Watson play. And I get it's not the same comparing NFL to NCAA, but I'm just saying it can be done. We saw even with Eric Dungy, I would say, we saw it where he would bail out the offensive line a number of times too. So uh, here's one interesting stat that NBC put up during the broadcast. It was the highest number of underclassmen on the roster that were playing. Playing meaningful games, okay? And so the leader in the clubhouse was Oregon, followed by Florida State, then uh, East Carolina, then Syracuse, then Stanford. And to me, I look at that list and Syracuse by far and away at the bottom. So everyone wants to throw out the, the whole, well, you've got all these underclassmen playing. Well, guess what? So does Florida State. They've got more wins than you. They're playing in your same conference, all right? And they also did it in eight games, while Syracuse, they, they played the full 11-game slate. Now, would Florida State have won more games? Who knows? Then I look at, uh, I go to the Pac-12, okay? I scroll through, and I see Oregon. They've played five games this year. Yeah, but you can't compare those teams. I mean, they're bringing in high-level talent. We just aren't right now. Well, isn't that part of the problem? It doesn't matter. They're they're still playing with these younger guys out there, and they're they're not making excuses for themselves, and they're going out and winning some football games. Oregon's 3-2. Stanford's 2-2. How about this? East Carolina, all right? They're playing in the AAC, and they are 3-6. So I don't think you can blame the youth. Like, Youth was not the reason you went 1-10 this year. Lack of talent and, and poor coaching was why you went 1-10 this year. I'll say Tony White, unbelievable season. Because if you think about I, it, yes, mm-hmm. everything was stacked Talk against that guy. Talk about squeezing every last bit of pulp out of that hire. Seriously, I could mean, there, 
let's just go down the list. Could there have been anything that could have been more stacked against one unit this year than what the Tony no. White and the and, and guess the coaches what? Did? He didn't make excuses when no. the going got tough. The offense, everything fell apart. The defense did everything in their power to put this team in. A, the defense played six or seven win football this year. No yeah. doubt in my mind. Maybe, so, and I might be even short-selling them. They may have right. been playing eight or nine win football this so year. So they had injuries. They had youth. They had a new opt-outs. system. Yeah, opt-outs. They had a new uh, scheme to incorporate on very short notice and with the limited camp and all that. They're going up against strictly ACC competition plus Liberty, who, we, who turns out was probably better than a lot of other ACC schools anyway. So you're playing 11 games with literally nothing that was an easy game against another. I mean, I guess there are a couple weaker ACC teams, but the point is they played a tougher schedule than normal. They had injuries, they had opt-outs, they had to introduce a new scheme. And then the offense put them on the <laughs> and field they had no for rest. like yeah. 50 minutes of the game. Like, think about it. it. Honestly, the more you dive into it, the more you have to tip your hat to Tony White and what he did to get that defense ready week in, week out against Clemson, Notre like, it wasn't just a all-ACC schedule. Syracuse played arguably one of the toughest schedules in the country this year. And, and you, you know what? One of the dome renovations should have been? It should have been oxygen tanks for that defense. I mean, seriously. Yeah. They must have felt like they were playing in Denver this entire season with the amount of time that they had to spend on the field and the amount of... Like, they must have been winded every single game at the end. Every yeah. single game just absolutely dog-tired. Because of how much they had to play. I mean, they're out on the field almost 40 minutes. You know, you know what the best defense is? Not having to play defense, okay? When you look at the turnovers that this offense would cough up, it's just, it's unacceptable. And the, and that goes back to the whole thing with the quarterback. The quarterback position was just so far behind, and it impacted the defense in an absolutely atrocious way. I tip my hat to every single defensive player that su- suited up for Syracuse football this year. And I tip my hat to Tony White. Because that was a home effing run hire by this yeah. team. Remember, and I tweeted this out too. Remember when everyone kind of lost their mind a little bit because Zach Arnett bailed? I mean, talk about a, a mini blessing in disguise there that you bring in Tony White and he gets this unit shaped up and ready to go in the weirdest season that they will ever have to play in. Yeah, I who mean, knows how Zach Arnett would have been? And it's a forget, similar scheme, but still. I, forget I'm, everything that else that you saw this year. I mean, Tony White is one of the best hires that this university has made in quite some time. It's amazing. They went one in 10, and I give the defensive coordinator an A-plus for the year, but that's where we're at, I guess. Yep. All right. Anything else you got before we, we get out of here? No, we've already gone long. Uh, we'll, we'll have more football talk on, on Thursday, and I'm sure we'll get into more detail on Tony White and, and just where everything's at with the program, but... Yeah, we'll we'll get you covered tomorrow, Rutgers preview, and then unfortunately we, we can't dive into football until Thursday, just to, given how the schedule has worked out this week. Right, so Rutgers preview tomorrow, we'll have the recap for you on Wednesday. Thursday, we'll do our full-fledged football recap of this season, and it was frustrating, but hey, we, we made it to basketball season, and, and we're all still breathing all right. Hey, also, go check out the Locked On NBA season preview, because guess what? I, you know, I saw this, Tim, the other day. Or I was scrolling through up. Twitter today. Guess what? Preseason starts this week. I mean, I feel really? like we just finished the finals. So preseason starting this week. 
Wait's almost over. 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. That's a week from today. Get previews of every team, division by division winners from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, including um, the, like, you're a Celtics fan, so there's Locked On Celtics. I'm a Bulls fan. Locked on Bulls. They do a great job. There's waiver wire editions from Locked on Fantasy Basketball. So for, for all the fantasy players out there, you can go check that out. Rookies to watch from Chad Four, who does a great job with the big board. And then predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. So be sure to subscribe to Locked on NBA wherever you get your podcast. Tim and I will be back with you talking all things Rutgers tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we'll get back with you soon.